Welcome to Dicey Stories, where we tell stories shaped by dice. You're listening to our tabletop role-playing game, Actual Play Podcast, episode 250. Today's episode is another installment in our series, Echoes of Invasion, set in the world of the Battle for Westmouth video game, 30-some years after the Eastern Invasion mainline campaign. It is played using Edge Studios' Genesis role-playing system, with occasional references to the Mythic Game Master emulator's event meeting tables for inspiration. Stick around after the episode for some GM notes if you're interested. For the story up to this point, visit our website, diceystories.com, where you can listen to previous episodes or read the serialized write-ups of our adventures. Now let's get rolling. We've got a story to tell. Are you going to stop into Zappa's? Yeah, Zappa's shop. And that's a spice shop? Yeah, but she's the apothecary. She's the apothecary. Yeah. Which you were told is also where the spices are. Excellent. Yeah, so basically what Hepa would like to do is just see if she can get her own little set of the spices that Go into she that might dish. be able to brew something that's just like a sauce that goes in that really good dish. <laughs> so that like Alric could just put the sauce on his uh, part of the meal. Right. And you don't have to eat it. Well, so she can also give him a oh, thing like she a, a crafted of, yeah, like the sauce that would have the flavors he likes. And he could, at any time, he could use it rather than having to, well, I don't know if Duvall's going to be making it for him anymore. Mm. Maybe he'll be making a lot of it. That's possible. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what she's going to do, is see about getting some of those spices. So you go to Zappa's shop, and welcome to my shop. This Hello. place is getting creepy. <laughs> it's nice to meet you. Yeah, so Heppa's going to ask about the spices. She's going to, I mean, I think she's getting more and more budget conscious because now she knows she's going to have to buy a pot. So she's going to, like, ask prices and make okay. sure it's not out of her realm before she's asking all these questions about. You start to inquire about spices, and Zafa asks if she may know her customer's name. Oh, yes, I'm Heppa. This is Trick Menu. And she says, you have an account here. An account? Is already credited with 20 gold piece. Uh, it is up to you whether you wish to spend that on spices or apothecary uh, ingredients. An account? Can I ask <laughs> I, would, I, I would invite you, Les, to review the letter you just received. Oh, right. Oh, is that, that's right. That's why there was a person that I needed to. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Then, yeah. Hepa's going to be at some point just like because terribly giddy. He couldn't send you a present via Kilk. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay. <laughs> and then she's like, I do not have an account set up for a trick menu, though. No, that's fine. I might make some separate purchases, but I'll let Hepa do her thing first. Yeah, so then she's going to ask about that. This is even cuter. I'm just going to buy the spices, and we'll see what other kinds of spices they might have she can explore, too. But she, her primary is to get the traditional things so that she can... And she may even ask... Do you list the ingredients you're interested in. Yeah, and she may even ask what she thinks about... Zappa's like, oh, this is the rice dish. Yeah, yeah. Like, she recognizes this set of ingredients. Fortunately, it's the only recipe I know, but she's asked... Um, I think Heppa might ask how she thinks it might... If it would prepare into it, like, a sauce or something that could be... Okay. That you could put on food, if she thinks that it would transfer okay. to that, or if she has any recommendations of bases or whatever. You're gonna need another charm check. What kind of suspension would you put these spices in? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just a rice water would probably work. We're just friendly elves. Ulrich and I are pretty much dating now. Unless he's pissed off that I've meddled with his parents. Blame that on Drake. I've met his parents? 
Yeah, just throw trick on, everyone can throw trick under the card. It just gets his name out there. <laughs> What's the difficulty for her? It's a purple and a red. She does need to remain unflappable in the face of explosions. Okay. Two advantages that I fail with. Apparently, I cannot ask a question that makes sense. Oh, I'm not charming about it. I think probably Hepa is distracted. Like. Oh, yeah, yeah. She got an account. She got a letter. Yeah. So it may be that Hepa's kind of tripping over her words and, like, maybe, like, the woman, like, tries to answer, but you're already, like, onto the next thing and, oh, because... like, oh, I could do this thing or... Yeah, yeah. So yeah, makes sense. whatever it is, you two are, are not able to communicate clearly here. You have advantages on that role? Yeah, or? I have two advantages. Okay. Advantage-wise, you can essentially get a discount on your purchase. Okay, because I'm a, either I have an account or I'm obviously very excited. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of like, I think what it is is she throws in some extra because from what she can gather from what you're saying, you're going to be doing something experimental with them, and so you might need backup. Yeah. So it's kind of like, in order for you to have the appropriate amount of spice at the end of whatever it is this elf thinks she's doing, <laughs> right? she needs a few extra teaspoons of this. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So you want to spend it all on, ingre- on if that el- culinary ingredients? Yeah, I think so. I don't know that I have any other alchemical needs at this point. I kind of feel like it's one of those things that you might want to have a little bit more of an idea of what you need it for. I mean, you could essentially just refresh your kit. Like, yeah. Because you made the sunscreen. You also experimented with various hair gels. Yeah, yeah. So if we want, if it makes sense to put some stuff into that, then we could do that okay. as well. Then you totally clear out your account. I am completely funded alchemically by Alric <laughs> so far. He's I mean, we like, paid him some money we owed him, but for the most part, he's funded my... He's vicariously an alchemist. Mm. See? It's like I have a patron, right? <laughs> So that I can see what I think about mixing up some things. I mean, she could just try to make the dish, but I don't know that she really knows how to cook. You have the recipe, and you have alchemy skill. It's true. Trick, what are you interested in acquiring here? Looking for cloves. However, what's the most potent variety you have that offers the most concentration of flavor for the smallest weight? Okay, so you want the highest quality cloves? Not necessarily quality, but like the... I mean, that's what makes the spice valuable, is that you can use a smaller quantity of it. Right. Trick's not revealing, but he's thinking like, I will get some of these cloves to give to Lord Ochil, but they're going to be so high concentration, he will inevitably overdose his his dish, and it will be perhaps slightly ruined. But I will have given him cloves. His was incense. Cloves and incense. Clove incense. Oh, I had a slash. I apologize. Then yes, clove incense is what I want. Not just cloves. But yes, a very potent, potable. Well, not a potent. A potent inhalable. We have like a vape of... <laughs> he doesn't smoke them. Right. Uh, that's true. Because it was called incense, I assume there was a, a smoke element to it. It is a stick that does like smoke, but it's not like cigarette inhaling. Interesting. Is a heady scent that fills the space. Yes, whatever one is. The standard size, but extremely strong smelling. So potent incense is what you're reading. Potent incense. Yes, she has some top shelf. Are you only interested in the clove, or can I interest you in any of these other fine incense sticks? And there's like mint and... There's just like a wide variety. There's like cinnamon and... 
frankincense and myrrh. You probably don't need the myrrh right now. Yeah. Uh, you never know when you might need a weird scent. I think tricks any like gathering strange objects Sandalwood kind of the time. Is very popular for instance. Um, and trick does not have the like you produce a random item. Nope, but you know that's a thing Future. you could get. Uh, eventually. Uh, yeah, if there's like a sampler pack. Oh. Oh yeah. But again, the potent clove is really what we need. Okay. Are you just gonna pay? Yeah. What? No, I'm gonna ask. What? <laughs> that sounds expensive. So what's that gonna run? Twenty. Yeah, Trick's just gonna pay it. Okay. You guys are gonna have no money left for all of it by the time you get that. Uh, Trick has a significant amount of money in the bank. Well, no, not in the bank, but. You have negative money in the bank. Yes. Because Trick earns money from shows as well. Uh, yes. This this is perfect. And like it's a clove one, and like even like without lighting it, you can tell. Like, yep. She gives them to you in waxed paper. Perfect. So that it can be all sealed up so that... The smells do not... There there will be some smell. Like, you cannot contain it all, but it'll be lessened and protected from wet. That's perfect. Clovins? Oh, yeah. You know what? Help was just, like, writing high on the fumes of Elric. <laughs> okay. Then, that evening, you are going to meet back with Fazul. Yep. Fazul is going to show you the expedition notes. What Fazul will tell you is that they left from the south. So the small hamlet of Kremlin across the river Lanel was the last jumping off point. And they did send word a few times by Falcon with some descriptions. The Falcon couldn't carry a map, obviously. Right. So there's a few... So there are a few landmarks further than that, but then they reached a stretch that they described as desolate and featureless. That kind of like provided an end to the landmarks descriptions. And and then there was a point at which Falcons didn't come anymore. Right. So Hepa and Trick, you can work together if you would like on a geography check. Sure. Mm -hmm. To copy over the expedition notes. Sure for reproducing what map he has from their original plans, as well as the notes on landmarks along the way. Day 45. (laughs) Rations are low. Morale is even lower. We've beaten each other. So the difficulty of the geography check is going to be two purples, but then there's a black die because after the map section, you just have the description type stuff. Yep. I'm assuming you made a roll, because I can flash... Yeah, I'm giving you a blue die, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, then we can take advantage of that. Because you have more ranks and more intelligence. And so at this point, you have, like, your full writing kit with you so that you can be using colors and inks and fancy things. Back into my mask. a new varnish. So it's just two purples and a black. I'm going to upgrade this. Okay. So that there's a chance for despair. A shortcut. Perfect. Success and then one advantage. So... You can uh, include in your list of maps that you possess a starter map. The starter map includes the region around Kremlin into the Sandy Wastes. It also includes their sketches of what they could remember of features and things like that in the area where the Manu lived. And it includes features and landmarks of the other side of this anyways, of like where they were headed, like stuff they could remember of the area around their home. That section is like sketched out, but like where that map fits with the other map. One is like the scale is not necessarily the same. Yeah. 
and and Fazul will share with you just like kind of like what he knows in terms of like like the time differential here, right? Like Maeve is close to fifty years old. Yes. She was ten at the time of the Great Storm. Okay. So like Damal was like eighteen-ish or something like that. The people you were meeting who were like Manu elders, they were only like in their late teens when the Great Storm happened. And so like their knowledge of the landmarks and things like that are only so good. Like right. the Manu clan travel around a lot. They didn't necessarily like make the same merchant circuit each year. They had their base of operations uh, in a town that I should have had a name for, but don't. That's okay. But we'll have one later. Name that has been lost to time. Hissin Town. <laughs> <laughs> so they sketched out those things as best they could, but the accuracy of them is questionable. So this is sort of sketches and writings? Is that what yeah. this is based on? Yeah. You sketched the stuff. You've jotted down what the few letters back said about landmarks along the way. Right. You may probably you probably sketch like what you think those landmarks would look like based right. on their descriptions, but you probably take down the text as well. Would now be a good time for map for it for it? I'm again I don't know what you're What's the mechanical? It would be if basically we can get some information that might be helpful, just a generic information. I don't know even if Jen has anything. Like I don't know, map for it might be cool in a sense of like Given that this some of this information is like 40 years old and there was a sandy, like did they ever see like a big basin that you know in their old mind had water but they didn't recognize it because it's. Let me see what Matt Ford actually says. Yeah. It's very vague. Helps with some knowledge thing. Let's GM give you clues that you otherwise missed. Yeah, it's basically you have a knack for knowing vital information when it is needed. So I I think that could apply here or like we just made a geography check. Um, for HEPA specifically, it might be if something clicks for her, that's a connection. This is sort of like, if you have a specific goal, we could kind of go towards that, or it's an opportunity for Jen to feed us some plot information. Yeah. Trinx thinks that would be cool, and while like freaking HEPA are describing this, he's wondering, like, is there some way we can align these maps that, even if, yes, there was an oasis here, but it's not an oasis here because it's 30 years later and there was a sandstorm, but is there some alignment of these that does make sense? Okay. If, like, maybe they were somewhere they had been before, but didn't know it. And if we have a story point. And we just, we, we, we spend the story point, we save map for it? Yeah. Okay. I will tell you a few things that you would not otherwise have gotten at this point. Which is that you have also gotten the look at some of this land yourselves when you were in the Esmark Hills from the north, looking right. down at the Sandy Wastes. Yeah. There were a couple times I triumphed on a geography check around that area, too. That is true. You had a, At one point, you had a blue die for heading south. Yeah. <laughs> Pity you squandered it. <laughs> so they tackled this problem from Kremlin because that was a settlement that they could start from most right. easily in terms of doing an expedition. Right. But it wasn't necessarily, like, the closest point. You know from talking with Manu that they exited the Sini Waste into the Esmark Hills, met with other people, and eventually settled in Hisenham as a good place to stop. Right. But you know that they wandered around the Esmark Hills some, and you yourself have been in the Esmark Hills and looked down at the Sini Wastes. So there are some potential landmarky things on the old country side of the map that you think would maybe be better reached from the Esmark Hills approach. Okay. As opposed to from the Kremlin approach. 
Just that if we were going to try to follow it, it might be better for us to do from Hissenham. If you were going to do this, it might be better for you to go south through the Esmark Hills. It's also possible from terrain that you've looked at and considered that the Bitter Swamp that you know of that exists beyond the hills, which you know that Mal Ravenel had his sweet castle there. Yeah. Some of the area that drains to it matches some of the old country landmarky type stuff. So I don't want to like necessarily say that everything they did from Kremlin direction was like unnecessary. Right. But you can use like what they said landmark wise along the way and then like they describe this flat featureless area that they didn't have any more landmarky type things. Right. To you, that sounds like Maybe not a natural thing to happen. In a place that's full of sand. But, like, Damal told you, Sandy Wastes is, in his opinion, false advertising. It's not a desert like the Sahara that's just rolling, rolling, rolling plains of absolutely nothing. So there probably would be at least some scrub or some rocks or something. Yeah, and Damal showed you pictures of, like, plants for telling where water is and stuff like that. There is a section that is like totally sandy nothingness, but right. that is not the natural state of the desert. Okay. So you think perhaps magical catastrophe is a potential for that area that's particularly bad? Yeah, so and also even if they went through Kremlin and we think now it would be better to go through Asmark, that doesn't mean that the situation was the same. Well, I know there was like a red rover of elves that were stopping humans right. from going through. So there could be, or battles, or fresh yeah. battles, or, yeah. For us, yes, Esmark is the perfect jumping off point. Yeah. So okay. it occurs to you that it's possible you might also be able to get like better sight into the situation if you were to go mountaineering. Into the hills. Yeah. The terrain, the further east you go in the Esmark hills the more mountainous it gets, and the bitter swamp is, is on the other side. Right. So it's possible from those mountains you might, if you were using some sort of telescope, you might be able to, like, judge the lay better. Right. It's also possible, since the bitter swamp was Mal Ravenel's stronghold, and if there was some sort of magical disaster in the sandy waste, it's possible, like, he did some research himself in that area. You don't know. Okay. But you do know he left... A giant castle behind. Could be research or a battle. Could be two things that could lead. Oh, or HEPA experimenting. But <laughs> So we go to Mal Ravenel's castle, look at his expedition notes. <laughs> Steal his telescope. Steal his telescope, which he definitely has. <laughs> and then just, you know, build a canal from the Bitter Swamp and the Sandy Waste to balance those two things out, because that's just messed up. And just use your rafty. Yeah. Pick up rafty on your way and yeah. <laughs> irrigate the Sandy Waste from the Bitter Swamp. Then you don't have a bitter swamp. You don't have a sandy waste. Done. It's just a hydrology problem. I'll talk to this here. Well, then what I'll do is I'll update my map um, with the notes, and I'll probably kind of talk through it with Trick. And I guess the question for Sazid is if he would like a copy of the map. I mean... Fazul? We're talking to Fazul. Oh, Fazul. Sorry. I forgot who we were talking to. Yeah, Fazul. Fazul has the maps that he has. He's not yeah. intending on going on any expeditions. Right. Yeah, so it would really just be if he wanted something that was a little bit more information. I don't know 
if he was interested in whatever I had drawn, if he would like a copy. He so. retains these things because his cousins left them behind. He is not going to act on them himself. Appreciate his assistance. If other people come around asking about this, do you want me to direct them to you or send a message to you or? I think send us a message. Send a message to South Tower. Yeah, for us. We, can, we can help. The competing expeditions. There's a race to. Uh, yes, and Trick will say that if we do undertake this, uh, we will let you know. And if there's a, I don't know, a message you wanted to send your family members, we'd be happy to carry that. Because we'll ask if elves have anything like falcons for relaying messages back. And I feel like this is a perfect time for like mate to pop out. But once again, he, he has not tied his beak together. He has tied his two legs together somehow. So there's an awful lot of flapping. He doesn't get in the way of anything. But there's just like, he looks very uncontrolled. I, I might borrow a falcon from South Tower. But I meant to physically carry a message to your compatriots. Okay. They're like, here, take this falcon. We need somebody to learn the route. <laughs> that might be what they want, but... But yes, if you know somebody that's trying to find out what happened, we'd be happy to share information. Okay. Based on what Trick said, that's what Hefford's going to say. I think she's just going to assume if somebody wants to undertake an expedition, it's because they want to find out what happened to their family. Well, there are people who, if they knew that there was a way to get back, they might want to go. Are there that many anymore? There are... Those of my age and younger who put the old country on a pedestal of sorts and think that the the sand is yellower on the other side. <laughs> think that it would alleviate any problems you have here, whereas there or, would just be a host of new problems there. Or they like the sound of the adventure, but only if they know that they can get to the other side. They don't necessarily want to exert the effort of finding a way to the other side. But well, if you knew, it wouldn't be an adventure. Seeking out a new place to you. Is an adventure, even if someone else has walked the path before. I am quite content in my business. It is unfortunate what happened to my cousins, but that was their choice to investigate the matter. And we don't know. Maybe it was very fortunate what happened to your cousins, just True. that they have not been able to reach you True. and tell you of the, the great wealth they've gained across the sands. From my understanding, the men were not the wealthiest of clans. Ah, but they bring exotic wares and news from far away. And the renown... Ingenuity? Well, I can tell you they certainly failed to set up any new trade routes. That is true. Alright, so you have enough out of this? Yep, I think so. Alright, Thank you. see insight to tomorrow at the Pottery Barn. Oh, Dune, Dune School comes before Pottery Barn. Yeah, we have to go to Dune School. Dune School. Dune School is held in a large open room. There is a stack of small carpets by the door little rugs. Every kid who comes in grabs their little rug and they sit on their little rug. I don't know if you had to do that in elementary school, but I did. I see. So you also take your little square of rug I guess so. to sit on. We're like the biggest kids in the class, huh? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll sit in the back. It's fine. But you know, compared maturity-wise... <laughs> are there Still adults? a little behind. There are other adults. Most of the adults are like lingering in the back, like They've brought their children and they're socializing among themselves. Right. Drinking something with a somewhat acrid smell to it that you've never had before. This is just doom care. <laughs> Do you wish to partake of the strange beverage? No, we're here to, to listen and to possibly speak, so okay. not here to socialize, unfortunately. So I'm sort of inclined to 
sit kind of with the kids, but not in the midst of them, because mm-hmm. I think in our experience, we can be very distracting. Yeah, that's fine. You sit in the back row. You can see over their heads. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My ears are huge, you know? I can hear everything. And I would say there's like maybe 30 or so kids here. And in addition to them all grabbing a piece of rug when they come in, they also all take a small slate and some chalk from boxes at the entrance. Mm. And the first part of the morning, there is... A practice writing? Practice writing. The practice writing is framed in a sort of history lesson type thing. Each of the letters has a... A is for... Acrobat. No. Arid. You, you're going to want to stay quiet for this first part, because this is a history lesson of things that may not sit comfortably with you. All right. So A is for Avari, and, like, the teacher at the front, like, draws the scariest-looking A you've ever seen, and, like, tiny little A's, like... They essentially, like, draw a diorama of some great epic battle, but everything involved in the battle is, like, the letter A. So, like, really hammer in the letter A. Trick is intrigued. They're telling a story, but they're doing so in a functional manner. And, like, they draw an arrow. The tiny A's are shooting arrows at, like, the big scary A. And, like, the heads of the arrows are also A's. And so it's like, A is for Athvari. Can anybody tell me who the Athvari were? So, like, one little kid gets all excited and raises their hand. And they're like, those are the evil magic users. (laughs) You know, but I wonder if they're elves. (laughs) <laughs> no, those are the Eve. That's just their word for necromancy. Yeah. And so then it's like, oh, can anybody tell me, like, what the Alvari did? And so, like, kids are, like, supplying answers to this. And none of the kids seem to be scared. It's all, like, from their perspective, almost like a fairy tale right. level. Um, I mean, the thing is built out of A's. <laughs> <laughs> I would like you to make a lore check. And this can be a communal lore check, because you can be, like, whispering back and forth to each other, or if you want to personally make your own lore checks, that's fine, too. Uh, I think we can work together, because as soon as they say, this is the evil magic user rule, we probably both look at each other and say, oh. I mean, Mount Ravenel is, like, the biggest evilest. Magic user we've heard of? Not like we know that person? There may be another one. So interesting. What's the difficulty on it? Three, because this is stuff you've never heard of before, and there's a black die, because... Children are, like, popcorning out details. Uh-huh. I can offer you a blue die with my one rank. It seems like it's fun to learn with children popcorning details. Maybe fun. It might not be effective. Yeah. And I failed. Five advantages. Maybe I learned something else. You have no sense of where this is on any sort of timeline. Okay. They're definitely talking about some battle. Right. Some, like, concrete war that happened. I mean, we could also overhear something from the adults that might be useful. But, I mean, we could always ask more questions later, too. That's true. Or maybe eventually it'll tie in for me. You don't get the impression that the fairy are elves. It sounds like they're talking about people. I understand elves are people, but, like, there's no... There's no drawings of A's and big ears on them. Like humans. There's no species distinction in the conversation. It's like, that is their word for evil magic user. Perhaps a specific group. It is a specific group. Possibly it is a generic term. But you do gather from more of the alphabet that gets drawn that the Athvari wielded crystals of power. I don't know. I just feel, you know, but then maybe we're talking about other things. I don't know. Do you think it's this 
Ixnay on the Unray. Maybe we missed a little bit of information, you know, so maybe we're actually talking too much during and this. The word is Ithari? Athvary. Athvary, okay. A-T-H-V-A-R-I. Okay. It sounded sort of like Athvary. Ethereum. It's possible. It's related to ether type stuff. Yeah. Um, but of course, is, uh, they probably could use pencils, too. What? Everybody uses this stuff. What are you talking about? Crystals. Oh, okay. Rings. I heard pencils, and I was really confused. Yeah, when I you apologize. said, cri- like, Ixnay on the crystals, I was like, it could be, like, a really common thing. Everybody just uses crystals. We're, we're blaming on the dwarves. They use runes. Sorry. There's a history lesson. Uh, also, you got the Dune folk have some sort of federation, not an empire or a kingdom. I mean, whatever you want to call it. If whatever they say it is. Put it on my map. Uh, Trick just files that away as another government type. The oppressive empire or the... The whatever federation. And the alphabet also includes as a reminder about the four elemental forces that you learned about from Damal when he was discussing apothecary type stuff. Right. It's interesting that it's so embedded in the culture and not just in apothecary. So the four elemental forces are the sun, the seas, the winds, and the deeps. And there's the cosmology is that each of these things bleeds into the material plane that the Junfolk occupy. And so the sun obviously uh, creates the heat of the deserts, the winds, you see their effects in the windswept highlands, the seas, the fertile coasts, and the river valleys. It's interesting that they have, as part of their cosmology, like, hey, there's deep water somewhere. Which makes you wonder whether this great deserty type sandy waste thing actually leads to an ocean on the other side. Yeah. Which has, perhaps, fertile coasts and windswept highlands. And the the Manu were just a bunch of, like, country bumpkins in the the, the edge of civilization. Or adventurous types pushing the frontiers. Yeah. Get to the other side and maybe, like, go to a dune folk city. Like, the Manu? Oh, you're part of the the sandy waste? That? Mm -hmm. We're all about clams here. That nothingness? (laughs) Meet my mermaid wife. Yeah, I can see how we missed out on whatever was going on in the first thing. We probably got distracted by all the other information. Yeah. And the deeps bleed through into the mineral-rich underground. Sounds about right. Oh, it floods in the caves, right. So they go through the whole alphabet with various things, some of which you pay attention to, some of which you don't, because after all, you already know how to write and read. But for each letter of the alphabet, they draw a little picture with personified letters. Hepa should have brought her map. So she's just, like, cataloging in her mind the four elements, magic versus alchemy, magical theory. That's probably why she doesn't pick up on some of the stuff. Also, it's clear that the people in this room are descendants of dune folk of one form or another. You've met a couple people in Hissenham who are actually themselves fully dune folk, but a number of the people here are, like, second, third, fourth generation from other times when traders came to some places. Oh, I see. Like, it is not unheard of to encounter dune folk goods in southern Westna. There are no, like, formalized trade routes. Right. But sometimes some people get across, and maybe they don't want to tell other people, like, what their route is. Mm-hmm. So you do hear, like, in addition to the Manu and the Kale, that there, there are other clan-type names mentioned here. After a while... When they finished the alphabet part of class, which included cosmology and other history-type things, 
Then everybody respectfully greets the speaker of the day, who is on the Luminary Council. It's Roshnik, and she has with her a variety of small mirrors and lenses and things like that, which in a sort of um, entertain your cat type fashion, she uses like to focus light and like move beams across the walls and floor and like some of the little kids like chase it around and like she discusses some of the scientific principles involved in a much boiled down fashion. Uh, so you can make another lore check if you wish for the scientific principles. Uh, are you gonna do your Chickle try his own this time. <laughs> How hard is this? Hard? Attending a scientific lecture. It's being described to children though. It's only average. Are there black dice on this one? No. Okay. Uh, one advantage. I'm very distracted. One success, one two advantages. Trick, you might be able to start a fire this way. Well, that would save me a lot of work. Well, not if it's already at night. But if I get a fire started early in the day, then I don't have to do the this business. Yeah, she's clearly concentrating light, and she could concentrate it enough that it could catch on something, you think? She's not doing that for the kids, but... Right. I'm trying to think how... fires for the kids? How Trick would observe that, like, a lot of light means a lot of heat. Like, okay, yes, the sun's hot, but... It could be from something she said yesterday explaining stuff to Hepa. That's also possible. I mean, you know that the sun is warm and she is concentrating beams of sunlight. Yes, but I, I don't know that someone in a medieval world would put together that you could focus light enough. I understand, like, yes, I made the roll. I'm trying to think of how this trick put together that, like, you can make heat that intense to start a fire. I feel like he almost, like, as the light is being shined around, he actually feels it for a second. He's like, that is a lot hotter than I expected. Trick goes chasing after the light, just like the little kids do. Yeah, they're, they're chasing, well, like, she's moving around the thing, like, keeps it away from the kids. Like, well, okay, I'm moving next to these elves, that's uh, safe. Like, burn, burn! Yeah. Burn the evil magic uses! And, you know, the trick is like, oh, that is, that is war. And Trick is a person who knows how to start fires, like, that could be, like, that's about as hot as when you're spinning yeah, the stick to start your fire. Uh, so that is interesting. Maybe there's an ocean across that. <laughs> I mean, that's what Trick's been saying. <laughs> no, this is like Hepa's like... <laughs> you already saw and got explained to you how this stuff worked yesterday. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. not paying super attention to it today. <laughs> Too many other things to think about. You definitely get the vibe that science and learning is very highly prized in the culture. Your understanding of West North governance is pretty low, but it seems like there's some sort of inherited power structure, whereas it seems like from what you're gathering from the Dune folk side of things, that it may be more of a... Sounds like maybe a little bit more like a craftsman-based meritocracy. Professions have Merchant some class. level of authority and perhaps determine on their own who is the representative. Yeah, and that person who is like the most esteemed in a particular profession is obtains luminary status and is appointed to a governing council. That isn't that much different from the way the elves do it, except I mean, with the... We don't do it through professions, though. Magic. There's no water-dowsing representative <laughs> on the council? Well, I don't know that they're all represented. No, they're, they're not. They're not representatives. That's the point. That's Elvish probably the... nobles is a hereditary thing. Oh. Your mom married into nobility? Yeah, no, Hepa's still just like, well, but it's based on that, like a magical. I don't think it is. That might help, but you gotta have credentials. So it's it's not as direct as the Wesnoth hereditary system. It's very political in elves, probably. It requires, like, 
elves have like this nobility that they like require, but then you have to be also competent. Whereas like humans, who knows? Yeah, I mean, from Hepa's perspective, nobility is not that much of a different thing for her. Like, for she's noble. So yeah, it's just based on profession, right? Like, she's not really thinking about, oh, you have to also be born with it. Or marry into it. Oh, her mother might here technically qualifies. <laughs> How official was his relationship with Anador? I need to look at this. Oh, to get Nasir on the council? Like, you don't need Nasir to have any position for you to uh, claim nobility. No. Not if you can claim it by blood. But then I'd have to be, like, home all the time. I also just don't think Nasir is interested in being on the council. No, I don't so that's so. why I, that's why Keppa would assume he's not on the council. Yeah. She wouldn't even question if it's nobility. It's based on water dowsing. He seems like he'd be great on the council. Which is why he'll never have a seat on the council. Mm-hmm. After the presentation by Roshanak, then Sazid, who you met yesterday, who keeps the aviary, he gets up in front of the kids. And at this point, the gossiping, like, adults in the back, like, they all stop their chit-chat and they, like, pay attention as well because he now, like, relays the latest news. I'm really wondering if I should have brought my writing stuff and be, like... It would think it would make sense for you to have done so because you knew new information was going to be a part well, of it. Well, I was planning on writing a letter and sending it. Also, you could just not pay attention and write a letter and train this. Yeah, I think I'm going to decide she has her writing stuff because she was going Go ahead to... And, and actually roll a... Perception check with a blue die, and the difficulty is three purples. So that might explain why she's distracted sometimes, because she, you know how she gets in her head. Do we have any story points? We have one story point. Do you point. have any plans for it? No. Then why don't I just see if I can succeed at something? And, um, but I didn't. Four advantages. I'll have to map for it later if it's important. No, it's not super important. It was just related to... Like, cause once you had your writing kit and stuff, you could look at the letter from all Oh, right, 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 right. Assess things. And, but you are not able to tell, like, anything necessarily about the writing. Like, right. it could be Demal's or it could be somebody else's. It's very small. And honestly, it kind of doesn't matter so much. It's a curiosity, but... But you have all those advantages. But whatever these advantages get me is apparently more interesting. The name at the end of the letter is definitely different handwriting than the rest of the letter. <laughs> right, yeah. A clever forgery. <laughs> Ulrich is dead. <laughs> so I must have gotten distracted by something else. I have my writing stuff, so it right. could be my map, or I'm still thinking about something they said, and I'm putting it on the map or whatever. So it could be that. Or unless there's something else to notice in the room that I'm not paying attention to what I thought I was going to be looking at. could be just not bright enough. Lights are flying around. Not the best environment. There's kids constantly asking questions. Um, I don't have other specific things in mind for you to notice. What else could I notice? That I could notice things about the room, or about any of the people, or I could overhear some of the adults talking. Oh. I could I maybe identify yes. whatever nope. they're drinking. Nope. Um, you overhear adults talking. Adults are talking about how the road to Carson just isn't as safe these days. You hear some of them like talking about how the previous caravan that came in from that direction lost several wagons worth of goods along the way. Uh-huh. And you had four advantages there? Yeah. You hear one of them saying, like, they're, they were talking about bandits wielding lightning. Sounds magic. Probably. Maybe. That's the people we want to talk to. <laughs> bandits wielding lightning going to Carson. That's where they're going next. The caravan? 
Rodri's caravan is headed up. There's a road direct to Carson. Yep. Or there's a road, you said, that goes to the Port of Abez. That's the part where Rodri will finally be free of the criminals attached to their caravan. He says free. He keeps getting steady pay while other people have to watch it. He needs to stop complaining. This. You guys had to like put down a, an uprising on the route here. It did damage a wagon or two. Well, doing business. if I was transporting prisoners, I might not be so keen on magical bandits. That might be even more complicated. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know how tra- news travels around here. If it seems like it's... Um, it might Trick be doesn't worth hear it. letting Rodri know. But that sounds like just a scary story. Just like a professional... And to keep people away. Just like a professional courtesy, but... Yeah. So, Sazid is delivering news from whatever been gathered by the incoming falcons recently and also reminds the children that there are openings for like scribe apprentices particularly enjoy your letters and then like one of the other adults in the back is like uh just remember also we're uh, looking for uh, apprentice and like Essentially, like... Opening at the weaver, weaver shop. And... Yeah, like, pitches are being made as well. Like, once it becomes clear that Sazid has left the news transmitting section and is now using his platform... <laughs> He's like, mm, I'm done with my professional duty, let me tell you. ...to advertise, then, like, the other adults are also uh, kicking in. Uh, Trick and volunteer, too. Oh, oh, that's tell right. Tell a story too. about, uh, you know, an up-and-coming dune folk... Trick thinks he's remembered as, like, you know, up-and-coming wind rider. Oh. Because, like, that's what his mom described herself as. That's what Lonfar told you your grandmother was. Right. Obviously, like, Dane Terwain is not quite going to sell the same. Right. But wind rider Terwain. But wind rider Terwain. Who doesn't use a bow. We don't talk about that. She specializes in <laughs> in-your-face combat. Well, I mean, the goal is to reinforce the culture, so. Yes. Uh, you know what? We don't have to mention that. Also, Trick has no qualms about changing details. This is a true story. The only thing we've changed is the facts. (laughs) That's true. And you're not, like, necessarily talking about how good she did at the joust. You were talking about the Grand Melee. Yes. When she was the Honorable Warrior. Uh, yes. So, Trick will relay that story, but yes, he will describe her as the the wind rider uh, of the horse planes, even. One of the new generation, not so much older than yourselves. She would take obsession of that. She's like, what, 25? And these kids are like 10? Or varying age? <laughs> I don't like how you always pretend like you're way older, Al. <laughs> you're like, yeah, it's been a long time. I'm like, it's not that long. And uh, is this a completely mundane story you're telling? I was I was going to use verse only because I want to... I want them to have a good opinion of Twain. And so, at a Doomfolk event, I'm going to use some magic. Because I'm a mischievous elf. <laughs> okay. I guess I have to... I'm affecting multiple people. I feel like you might technically be an imp. That's <laughs> very possible. I'm, I'm very much a, a creature of the fae. Yeah. <laughs> Let me check what that difficulty is. Additional targets is adding two difficulty to the base. Two difficulty? Unless you have it noted differently down there. You're adjusting their feelings about something. Yeah. On curse, additional targets increases difficulty by two. Wow, okay. That's much harder. And I have no story points, but that's the way it goes. I have story points, and I'm going to use them. Oh, boy. I mean, it's the same with Augment. Additional targets are plus two difficulty. I thought they were plus one. Barrier, it's plus one. So it does depend on the spell. Okay. But what you are doing, which is adjusting people's kind of moods, 
Yeah. Definitely falls under augment slash curse. Yep. Well, that's a failure with threats, so we're going to re-roll that. Natural liar. Playing with your knuckle dusters during this? Yes, that's worth an advantage. Uh, all right, I fail with three advantages still. So you are taking two strain from the casting. Yep. But nobody knows you're casting. When you fail, you're supposed to do it spectacularly and let everybody know that you're a magic user. You are playing with your knuckle dusters because yes. you were casting. That is 100% true. So you're perhaps enacting things. She took a great mace, a mighty swing. And her kid, the kid's like, that's not a mace. What is that thing? Use your imagination. Smashed at her opponent who dropped his weapon. Did she strike this opponent down immediately? No response, because no one's really engaged. <laughs> no, it was a tournament. It would not be sporting. It would not be fair to do so. Her opponent picked up his weapon, and they resumed the duel. They're not magically engaged, but you no. do have advantages. I do have advantages. I think they, they generally find an interesting story, but it's like it doesn't really jive with the cultural... Well, somebody else is like... But why isn't she on a horse if she's a wind rider? She stepped off of her horse. Why, why would you do that? She should have stayed on her horse and shot her bow. Uh, there are places where horses cannot go. Like upstairs? <laughs> <laughs> and besides, the opponent she was fighting was also not on a horse. You have advantages. Yeah. They're not like... They're not heckling, but they're... But they're I, little kids. Yeah. And they are left with like a positive impression of you. Nobody's going to be telling the story of... Windrider terrain. You know, it's probably for the best. I don't want to get back. I'm like, I've heard a story about a Windrider today, and then that's all the details they yeah, get because they, right. they didn't understand. I'm like, she has a horse, but she doesn't use it. Mm. I don't get it. Okay. Also, that guy was an elf. <laughs> I guess <laughs> elves are doing folk too. How, Whatever. How do you introduce yourself when you come up to tell the story? He will introduce himself as Trick Menu, and he'll just kind of like let that. He does not address that. Okay. We'll say an elvish storyteller. Now, I've traveled far and wide and met many dune folk in my time. Here's a story of one not so long ago. Okay. So that is how he will cast it. He wants to leave that as a mystery to specifically not address that. Okay. And he might be super old. Uh, who knows? <laughs> None of these <laughs> kids, certainly. Heaven knows. I think that's all the types of things that happen at dune school. They are more literate than the general Wesnos population. These are descendants from various different clans who at some point or another, some of them ended up on the side of the desert. And some of the kids here are dressed like any regular Wesnoth peasanty type person you would encounter. Other ones are like, oh, I'm going to Dune School, like let me wear your nice clothes. Wear this fancy scarf I have, like so. They identify to varying degrees with the culture, but other than Manu specifically from Hissenham, there's not really any other first-generation folk here. It's more a matter of people like keeping alive like traditions right. that were passed down to them. Yeah, you know, it goes better for us if they're not so Hissenham. <laughs> <laughs> Jan Jennifer here. 
The Doing School scene in this episode is based on the experiences of some of my childhood friends. I'm not close enough to my forebearers' cultural heritage to have attended any myself, being a fourth-generation American, but I had friends who spent weekend mornings at Polish school, or Hebrew school, or Chinese school, learning the associated languages and traditions. I drew on stories of those experiences to design the Dune School scene, and I populated it with bits and pieces of lore discussed on the Battle for Westnaw forums. You've been listening to Echoes of Invasion, set in the world of the Battle for Westnaw video game and played using Edge Studios' Genesis role-playing system. Our GM was Jen, and our players were Lex and Daniel. For the serialized narrative write-up of this adventure, visit us at DiceyStories.com. Our character art is by Del Borovic. See her work at DelBorovic.com. Our music is sampled from Return to Westnoth by Matthias Westland, a.k.a. West, licensed under CC by SA 4.0, part of the Battle for Westnoth project. Visit them at westnoth.org. Until next time, this is Dicey Stories reminding you, the only thing that separates you from knowledge is experience.